We're going to go ahead and get started. I have so many things that I want to share with you today, and I can't wait to get started. I told Kent driving over here, I haven't taught for a month. <laughs> That's a long time, and it's ready. <laughs> it's ready to come out, so we're going to get started. Um, you have a handout. It says, The Power of Praise and the Glory of Worship. This is an, um, the, last, the last session in our Bible study is about praise. And that's where we're at right now. But this has kind of been um, growing and evolving over the years of the Bible study. Um, so that's why um, this session is here. So it's called The Power of Praise and the Glory of Worship. Let's look at the lesson purpose together. Although this is the last session in a healing journey... It is absolutely not true that you should wait for the manifestation of your healing to give God praise and thanksgiving. In fact, just the opposite is true. Praise should continually be in your mouth. Praise is a dynamic, powerful force. That's good news. Praise defeats the enemy. The purpose of this lesson is to establish this fact based upon the word of our almighty God. So we're going to talk tonight about the power of praise and the glory of worship. And the first big idea, the first point, is the importance of praising God and the benefits of praising God that are clearly established in the Bible. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 34 if you have them with you. If not, they're going to be up on the wall. And as we do that, I want to just tell you a teeny bit about my experience when I first started learning about praise or experiencing praise and worship. Um, I came from a, a religious background, and we sang a lot in church, but we didn't praise and worship. I didn't realize there was a difference. We were singing songs. We weren't praising God and worshiping God. The first time that I stepped foot in Life Christian Church, I came in with stage four melanoma, and I came to a healing meeting. I wasn't planning on joining Life Christian Church. That took months but when i first walked in the first thing that happened was worship and praise and i i observed it from a distance i mean i was in the middle of it but i was just watching what was going on and not really understanding it was uncomfortable for me it wasn't something i'd ever experienced before where people really praised god i have a friend that this is how she's explained it and i love it i use her explanation because it's a good one she said they just really love god and they're not afraid to show it because that's what we're doing we're praising god because he is so very worthy there is great power and great benefits in praise so let's look at what the bible says about it psalm 34 we're going to read verses 1 through 4. And actually, a lot of the scriptures we do tonight, I'm going to have us all read together because they are literally prayers of praise. You don't have to sing to praise. You can use your voice. You can speak praises. You can read praises. And that's what we're going to do right now. So let's read Psalm 34, verses 1 through 4 together. With all your heart, praise God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His will continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Amen. Amen. 
as we were praising God at the beginning tonight, when we were singing the song that said, our God is greater, our God is higher, our God is, is more powerful, he's everything that we need, that's what we were doing. We were magnifying God. We were exalting God. And that's what this psalmist is saying. The first statement in this psalm that I think is important is that we, when, we, when we praise God, first of all, we should do it at all times, continually, before, during, after a trial, continually. But then verse 2 says, my soul shall make us boast in the Lord. My soul is my choice. My soul is my will, my emotions, my, my mind. Your soul is separate from your spirit. And it says in the Bible that my soul will make a boast of the Lord. I have a part to play. It's a decision that I make. We'll see as we go in this teaching that you don't always feel like praising, but that doesn't mean that you don't do it. You can still make the choice and praise him on purpose. So my soul shall make its boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. And then verse three talks about magnifying and exalting him, magnifying God and exalting him magnifying God. He is bigger than our problem. But if you're talking about the problem all the time, you're magnifying the problem. God says, my way's better. When you magnify God, when you look at his bigness, his goodness, his faithfulness, the problem is minimized. It, it's just what happens. If you're in this mess, if you have a problem that is so big you can't even begin to see around it, if it is like a mountain in front of you, start praising God. And that mountain will shrink, no matter how big it is. When you praise your great big God, when you magnify him, the problem is diminished. The same thing with exalting God. When we exalt God, we put him above the problem. Instead of putting the problem above God. In the world, the default of the world is to exalt the problem. That the problem is so high that nothing can possibly be above that problem. That's a lie from the pit of hell. As I was meditating on this, God showed me the two extremes. One extreme being, there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, I could, if, uh, you know, my, my greatest dreams in the natural. God, so much, so much bigger than the best in this world so much better so much bigger and you know we can see that in the in our and when we when we are in our spiritual mode but that's true that's truth he is he's greater than the richest richest the riches i can't even say it you know what i mean the best that there is but he's also bigger than the biggest problem he is above that problem so much. There is a scripture that talks about the finger of God. I love that scripture. I don't know where it's at. But it talks about the finger of God. The finger, the finger of God is enough to destroy the biggest cancer in the world. He is so much above the enemy's junk that's in this world. So we need to... Put him in that position by praising him and magnifying him and exalting him so that the devil's junk just moves out of the way. 
The last verse here says that um, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. How many of you think that's good news? Yes. He delivers you from your fears. But the process of praising is where he delivers you. When you praise God, fear can't stay. When you're in that place of praise, fear has to leave. You're delivered of your fears. A few weeks ago, I taught about fear, several weeks. Fear is the opposite force of faith. Faith is our part in receiving, believing. God did his part. It's finished. Our part is just to believe him. But fear is the opposite of faith. So in order to rid ourselves of fear, praise God. When I taught about fear-proofing your life, this is one of the pieces that we talked about, praising God to fear-proof our life. Would you please open with me to Romans 4? Romans 4. I love this scripture because it's, it's about a man who had a problem so big that there is absolutely no way in the natural that it could be solved. Abraham, 99 years old, impotent, with a wife who was about 96, 97 years old and way barren. I mean, probably 50 years through pastor menopause. There's no way that he could become the father of many nations in the natural. But he chose to believe God and his promises over what he saw in the natural. Now, I bet every one of us can put ourselves not in that particular place, I hope, but in a place where there's something that has been so big in front of you that there's no way in the natural that you could overcome it. In my case, I had a a stage four diagnosis that was incurable, and the doctor said there was nothing they could do, that I had six to nine months to live. And a lot of you guys have had that same report, or you know somebody, or you love somebody that's had a similar report. But that's not what Abraham did, and that's not what we do. And let's look at what it says. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. So there's two, there's this scripture. I love this scripture. At the beginning, it says he didn't waver. In the middle between the commas, it says, but he was strengthened in faith as he gave glory to God. And then the next verse, verse 21, oh, it says, and he was fully convinced that he had the promise. He could have wavered. He had a, he had a big reason to waver. So on one side of that scripture, there's wavering. On the other side of that scripture, there's believing that God is able to carry out his word. And what's in the middle? Giving glory to God and his faith being strengthened. He didn't waver. The reason he didn't waver, the reason that he could believe God's promise, even for that huge, insurmountable impossibility, is because his faith was strong. He had a relationship with God, and he glorified him. In my Amplified translation, it says, And he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave gave praise and glory to God. So, If you're at this point where you're saying, I want to believe God, help my unbelief, do this. Magnify God. 
glorify God, exalt God, and your faith is built up. We're going to talk more. I'm actually going to talk about it right now. (laughs) Sorry. This is something I've not shared with you before. It's so good. Okay. This is a lie. The lie is that the problem is insurmountable and not solvable, incurable, too big. That's a lie. We all have lies like that in front of us. You might have something that you have in your life right now that has been in your face for so long that you can't even begin to see around it. But God doesn't see it as too big. Now, praise breaks your agreement with that lie. And this is how that happens. When you praise God, when you feed on the truth of God's nature, the truth of God's nature, that he's big, that he's great, that he's faithful, that he's the healer, that he's able, that his promise supersedes that problem. When you feed on that and his bigness, Instead of the problem and its badness, then the lie is replaced with the truth. And the truth sets you free. That's powerful. That's what praise does. It takes that lie that is so big and so real and so huge in front of you in your life. And it replaces it with truth. And the reason it does is because you are voicing it. You are speaking through praise. You are speaking of the bigness and the goodness of God, of his power, of his excellence, of his will to heal. We sang in that song, our God is healer. Our God is bigger. Our God is greater. When we do that, instead of looking at the problem and its badness, we are looking at God and his greatness. And that truth replaces the lie. The Bible says the truth will set you free. Praise is powerful. Will you turn with me to Psalm 63? I want to talk about a couple of different things that were difficult for me and a lot of other people when I started um, learning to live a lifestyle of praise. And one of them was the whole idea of raising hands to the Lord. Now, you don't have to. I'm not saying that you have to raise your hands to the Lord to praise, but I want to show you why some people do, and I want to show you what the Bible says about it. So let's do that right now. This is Psalm 63, verse 4. I love this scripture. In fact, I'm going to read a little bit more than just verse 4. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Then I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. That's verse 4. Thus, I will bless you while I live. 
I will lift up my hands in your name. I will lift up my hands in your name. I will bless you, Lord, with all my heart. I will lift up my hands to your name. I'm going to look at another scripture, and then we're going to talk about it. Psalm 141, verse 2. Please turn there. Psalm 141, verse 2. I just want to show you where this, it talks about lifting up your hands in praise in the Bible. Everything that we share in illness recovery is based on the Word of God. This is a Bible study, but it's all about healing. Let my praise be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Oh, I love this one. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. God desires our praise as a, as a sacrifice. In the old covenant, they had a sacrificial system. And there was incense that rose to the Lord. In the new covenant, that has been abolished with one perfect sacrifice. But he still desires that incense. He desires that incense of our praise, of our worship, of our prayer. And it says that as we lift our hands, it is a sacrifice to him. I want to look at one more scripture. This is New Testament. Would you please turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2? I don't want you to think... This is not New Testament because it is. First Timothy, near the back of your Bible. First Timothy chapter two, verse eight. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. I pray everywhere that men lift up holy hands. Lifting up your hands to God is a sign of surrender to him. It's a sign of giving him control. It's a sign of saying, Father, I need you. I want you. I want you to help me. I don't want to do this by myself. I need you. I was telling Tom at the beginning of this class that our grandson is now at the age where he crawls doesn't crawl anymore he walks he walks up to grandma me (laughs) i love being grandma and he puts his little hands up and he reaches up and he just wants me to pick him up and do something with him take him outside usually he loves to go outside and play he just comes up to somebody he knows will take care of him when he wants anything when he wants milk (laughs) he comes up to grandma and stands up and you know goes to the refrigerator and pounds on it he wants to be picked up And he lifts up his little arms. When we do that, it's a sign of, I'm your little girl, Father God. I need you. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of of humility. And I'm just going to speak from my own experience. When I lift my hands to God, it positions me differently. And I am just in that place of of his love. And just it being poured out. Not that he doesn't pour out his love if I don't lift my hands. But for some reason, it just puts me in a different place. So when you see people lifting their hands to the Lord, it's just a sign of of our love for God, of our surrender to him, of our giving control to him. 
The Bible says, trust in God and don't lean on your own understanding. And it's a sign of our trusting of him, of our surrender to him. So I wanted to make that clear. And the next thing I want to make clear is that sometimes praise is loud. So let's look at Psalm 47. If you think heaven's quiet, (laughs) I don't think you're going to, I don't think, I think you're going to figure out that it isn't someday. Put it that way. Psalm 47, verse 1 and 2. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Would you read that with me? Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. So in this scripture, it's talking about clapping your hands and shouting. Clapping your hands and shouting. Now let's go to Psalm 150. This is the last psalm. We're going to read this one together too. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, wow. There's a whole lot of praise going on there. I noticed when I was reading this, one of the many times I read it, it, gives, it answers a lot of questions. One of the questions it answers is, where should we praise the Lord? Yeah, everywhere. And at the beginning of the scripture, it says praise him in the sanctuary and praise him in the firmament. What do you think the sanctuary would be? Church could be the church, but guess what? Yes. We're the temple of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is a sanctuary. Wherever I am, I'm God's sanctuary. And I can praise him. What about the firmament? Heaven. We're going to be praising God forever, guys. For eternity. It's going to be awesome. And we are now. But we will be for eternity as well. Um, Then it says, um, why? Why? Verse 2. Why do we praise him? Yes. We praise him because he's great. He's worthy to be praised. We praise him when we share testimonies because of his mighty acts. We praise him when we look at what Jesus did in the Bible and what, what Father God has done over and over as he's blessed people and given and helped and, and healed and whatever. We praise him for his mighty acts. And then it talks about how we praise him. This is where it gets good. Oh, yeah. It's not quiet. We praise him with instruments, with dance, with drums, cymbals, with our voices. And who praises him? Or who should praise him? Everything that has breath. 
everything that has breath. Kent and I um, have, we, we call it our bird zoo. We have so many birds in our, on our deck, it's, it's phenomenal. And, and we've talked about it, and we said, you know what? Those birds are praising God. I'm going to praise God with them. And I do. I do. I mean, I just turn on the praise music, and the birds and I praise God. <laughs> with everything, with all the breath we have, praise the Lord. So according to the Bible, and there's a lot more scriptures, guys. We're just looking at a few. But according to the Bible, praise is not meditation or silence. It's vocal. It's a vocal expression. We can honor God with our actions, our lifestyle. Absolutely, and meditation is a good thing. We talk about meditation a lot in here, meditating on God's word. But praise is a vocal expression. It's an outward expression of our love for God. You don't need to worry about your vocabulary, your praising vocabulary, the words that come out. God doesn't care. Just simply tell God who he is to you and, you know, that he's great. What I would like to do now is to just take just a few seconds, 30 seconds or so, and practice. And all I'm going to do is I'm just going to start praising him with my voice. I'm not even going to sing. I'm just going to use my voice. And I'm just going to praise him. Because this is something maybe you haven't, you're not used to doing. So we're just going to kind of do it and show you. And so is everybody here. You can just listen if you want. But if you want to praise God right now, this is the time to do it. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to lift our voices and praise him. So Father God, right now we lift you up and we glorify you. We praise you. We pour out our love to you, Father. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength and our entire being. We praise you because you're great. Great Jehovah Rapha, I praise you. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, I praise you. Great Jehovah Shalom, God of peace, I praise you. We lift you up. We magnify you. You're bigger, God, than any problem. You're bigger, God, than any issue. You're so awesome. You're so awesome. We stand in awe of you. We are in awe of how amazing you are. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You are here with us. You inhabit our praises. We thank you for your presence. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. Great are you, my Lord, and greatly are you to be praised. Great are you, God. How greatly are you to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 Did you just feel his presence just <laughs> settle in? Wow. I just feel his presence really, really heavy. That's what he does when you praise him. We are literally, he's always with us. But when we praise him, we come into this place of communion and this place of, of, of his, literally, his presence joining with us. We're going to talk more about that when we talk about worship. I want to uh, just mention right now uh, direct and indirect praise. Direct praise is what we've been talking about so far. Direct praise is opening your mouth and talking 
to God. Declaring who he is. It can be through singing. It can be through your speaking, your shouting, your words. But indirect praise is when you talk about God to other people. Not to God, but about God to other people. So when you get together for coffee and you talk about what God's doing in your life, or if Beth and John are driving home and they're talking about what God's doing or what they saw God do or, or whatever, that is indirectly praising God. And just like Abba just settled in now, when we, rose our, when we started talking and praising him, that's what he does when you indirectly praise him, right? What happens in your, in your inner person when you start talking about God to, a, to your husband or your friend? your mama faith increases yeah something stirs in there doesn't it yeah the holy spirit yes i love it when he does that i love it god takes over and and maybe when you started the conversation you weren't quite sure what to say or how to say it and he just takes over and 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 you just get excited maybe you were kind of tired after a long day and all of a sudden you're feeling energized and like you don't want to go to bed you're just full of, of excitement about what God's speaking to the other person or from the other person to you. That's, that's indirectly praising God. God loves it when we do that. Okay, foundation two. The power of praise. Thus far, we've talked about what the Bible says about praise and why we should praise and some of the benefits, including um, being strengthened in faith including um, fear being removed from us. But now we're going to talk about the power of praise. It's an incredible, powerful force. It's a spiritual exercise, and it enables us to deal directly with the spirit world. Let's look at Psalm 18, verse 3. And again, we have a lot of scriptural backing. I'm not sharing much today because of time, but we can show you other scriptures if you would like to see more. Psalm 18, verse 3, says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. As we call on God who's so worthy to be praised. So, the word so connects it. Because of my praise, because of that, I am saved from my enemies. Including sickness. Let's look at an example in the Bible. This is Second Chronicles chapter 20. If you're in the book of Psalms right now, go backwards in your Bible to chapter 20 of Chronicles. And um, I would like you this week at home to read verse 1 through 30. This is a great story. It's a great story. But we're not going to read the whole thing because of time. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to start with verse 12, and I'm going to kind of stop and, and explain as we go. This is a biblical example of the power of praise. It's a really good story. Um, let me set the stage a little bit. Um, this is the, the um, army of King Jehoshaphat, and he rules over Judah. And three armies are coming against his army the army of Mo, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, okay? 
I said it wrong? Oh, well. No, I wasn't. I was supposed to Okay, okay, good. Anyway, the armies, that, the three armies that were coming against King Jehoshaphat were so big, there was no way, absolutely no way that he could defeat him. And he knew it. He knew that there was no way that that was too big of a problem for him. So he set, he drew the group, gathered the people together, and they praised and they worshiped, and they fasted and they prayed. Okay, now we're going to pick up in verse 12. Oh, our God, this is King Jehoshaphat talking to God. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Oh, I love that part. It's just like you, just like me. It's like, God, there's no way I can solve this problem. There's no way. It's too big. But my eyes are upon you. Now, all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. So he's brought everybody together to pray and praise and figure this out. And then, verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon this prophet. His name is Jehaziel. And then it talks about his heritage. I'm going to go to verse 15. And this is what the prophet said. Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Isn't that good? Ooh, that's a good word from the Lord. And that's for you too, guys. Any word in the Bible is also for you. This battle might be too big for you, but it's not your battle. It's God's. And then he gave them a plan. Verse 16. Tomorrow, and this is still the prophetic word. This is still the prophet, Jahaziel, that's speaking to Jehoshaphat and the people and he says tomorrow go down against them they will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel you will not need to fight in this battle good news there's no way they could fight and God is speaking to them and he says you don't need to fight he says position yourselves stand still and watch position yourself just stand and see what i'm going to do wait and see and see the salvation of the lord who is with you O judah and jerusalem do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow go out against them for the lord is with you oh this would be a great scripture to paraphrase for yourself for whatever it is that you're going through and then jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they prostrated themselves in worship. They submitted themselves. They, they went into a position of humility, saying, God, we can't do this, but you can. And they, they, they worshiped. And then they stood and they praised God loud. They praised and they worshiped. So next day, they rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his, prosper, his prophets and you shall prosper. So this prophetic word went forth. 
And he said, believe God. He's just encouraging his people. He's saying, believe God. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. So King Jehoshaphat put together a battle plan. And his battle plan was to send the praisers out before the armies. He sent out the people who praised, the trumpets, the the people who sang praises. And he said, okay, you go out and and you're the front line. (laughs) Go, praise God. And they did. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Oh, this is good. I want to tell you one little nugget, extra nugget, that is just awesome. It says that when they began to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the, the other armies who had come against Judah. The word Judah, the name Judah, means praise. They came, those three armies came against praise. And they were defeated. Not only were they defeated, they were completely, completely demolished. If you go on to read, what happened was all of the armies self-slaughtered each other. They literally fought against each other and killed each other. And when King Jehoshaphat's army finally went, because remember they were just supposed to stand still and watch, and when they went to see what had happened, everybody was dead. And they collected spoils for three days. Riches. Lots and lots of riches. God blessed them way above. They didn't pray for that. They prayed for help. God help. And he helped them. They, they didn't, he didn't have to do anything. But he defeated the enemy for them. And then they had all the spoils. And then at the end of the chapter, it talks about them worshiping and praising God. They praised before the battle. They praised during the battle. They praised after the battle was won. There was great power in their praise. And that's for you as well. That same battle plan is yours. Praise before, in the midst of, and after you've received the results. Praise God. Praise God. I want to look at one more biblical example. This is Acts 16, New Testament. Acts 16. This is um, one of the accounts of the apostles in prison. There are four different accounts of the apostles imprisoned, and in all four of them, they're released miraculously. In Acts 4, Peter and John are arrested, and then they're released. In Acts 5, the apostles are in prison, and an angel freed them and then told them to go right out into the temple and preach. So they went right from prison to the temple. In Acts 12, Peter was freed by an angel. And in that particular one, there were four squads, each squad with four soldiers, and the angel literally led him right through all of those guards and out into the freedom. 
And then this is the fourth one. This is Acts 16. Then the multitudes rose up against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes. This is Paul and Silas, by the way. Tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Whoa. They had been beaten with rods. And I don't have time to go into too much detail, but it was such an a intense um, uh, beating that most people, after they'd been beaten, their feet with rods, they could no, never walk again. Then they laid stripes on their back. And if any of you have seen The Passion, you know what that's like. They usually gave 39 stripes because if they gave 40, most people died. So their whole backs would have been torn. And then when they put him in jail, they didn't just put him in jail. They put them in the inner prison, which was the place where all the sewage drained. It was the pit of the pit. And then they put their feet in stocks. So their feet were, which had just been beaten with rods, were in stocks in this place. Verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas knew that God had, re, had saved their, their dis, fellow disciples and fellow apostles from prison. Many times, miraculously. They had testimonies that showed them the goodness of God. They knew Jesus personally. They prayed and they praised in the midst of that awful circumstance, in the midst of their body broken beyond recognition probably. They prayed and they praised. And it had to be loud enough for the prisoners to hear them because it says they were listening. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he would have been executed. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. See, Paul wasn't done. He was freed. But he didn't run. He wasn't done. He was following God. He was following the, 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 the direction of the Holy Spirit in him. And he stayed. And he talked to that jailer. The jailer, verse 29, called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? I love this part. If anybody asks you, what do I need to do to be saved? Bring them right here. Verse 31. So they said, believe in Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your family. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. So not only were they supernaturally freed, an earthquake came the doors, I don't know why the doors would open in an earthquake, but they did. I don't know why the chains would be loosed, but they were. God 
in the midst of their praise, freed them. And then they went about and brought this family to salvation. The power of God is mighty in that place of praise. Turn with me to Hebrews 13, 15. Hebrews 13, 15. Where does that bring us? It brings us to God's direction for us to praise continually. Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. God says to continually offer a sacrifice of praise. The reason it's called a sacrifice is because it is a sacrifice. It is giving God your best no matter what the circumstances. It is praising God no matter what you feel like. You don't wait to feel like praising God before you praise God. God says in his word to offer God continually. A sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice costs you something. It costs you time. It costs you focus. It costs you giving your heart to God when you might not feel like it. It costs you something. It requires something. Praising God in the midst of a battle requires faith. It requires you declaring the goodness of God and his greatness over the badness of the problem. We already talked about that. And truth replaces the lie. It's a beautiful sacrifice that we can give to God. Okay, we're going to switch focus. And we're going to zip through the rest of this because I've been looking at my watch and we're have just a few minutes left. I want to talk a little bit about worship. Thus far, we've been talking about praise. It's our choice to praise. It's our will. God gave us a free will. And one of the things we can use our free will for is to choose to praise God no matter what we're going through. But worship's different. Praise leads you to the place of worship, which is a place of intimacy with God. It's a place of pouring your love out to him. It's a place of of your devotion for God. The height of your praise determines the depth of your worship. Worship is a time of intimacy with God. And it, is, uh, uh, it comes from praise. As you praise God, as you praise God, as you praise God, Holy Spirit just leads you into that place of intimacy with God. And sometimes it takes a while, and sometimes it doesn't. We were literally in a position, or I was, in a position of worship a little bit ago when we were praising with our voices. And I just, oh my goodness, it got really, really his presence was just here. And it would have been the next step to just start loving on God and let him love on you. 
That's worship. I would like to look at John 4, 23. We're just going to look at one scripture about worship. Actually, maybe not, but one right now. John 4, verse 23. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. When we worship, when we're in that place of worship, we're following the Holy Spirit's lead. And in that place of worship, we begin to see with eyes of faith instead of natural eyes. I've already kind of alluded to this a couple of times where you see it God's way. You're agreeing with God. You're seeing his greatness. You are in that place of knowing in your heart how great he is. And literally, that's revelation. That's from God literally working through you, through your heart, to show you, just like Abraham, that he is fully able to carry out his promises. You see, with eyes of faith instead of your natural eyes. And as you continue to worship, as you continue to have a lifestyle of praise and worship, one of the byproducts is revelation. Revelation of God, revelation of his goodness. That's bedrock of faith, guys, that he's good. And that comes, one of the ways that it comes is through your praise and your worship. And that leads me to the next statement, which says, worship brings you into the glory realm of God. The glory realm of God, the glory realm of God is when you have that revelation of God's manifest presence. One of the um, people that I like to uh, listen to and read says that the earth's atmosphere is air and we breathe air. Heaven's atmosphere is glory, which is the manifest presence of God. When we praise and enter into worship, which is an intimate time with God, the byproduct is the atmosphere of heaven, the glory of God. So a little bit of heaven comes to earth, comes to me, comes to me in my living room, comes to me right here, comes to me in church, comes to me when I've got my headphones on and I'm walking Wherever, when I focus my heart and my, my time and praise him. It's really, really, really awesome. 
Would you turn with me right now? I've got a couple scriptures and we're going to close. To Exodus 23. Exodus 23. Verse 25. Heaven invades earth with the glory of God. Heaven invades earth as we worship. And when heaven invades earth, the mighty power of God is manifest. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. Wow. What does all that start with? Worship. Full lifespan. None, none barren. None miscarried. No, no miscarries. Sickness will be taken away from you. And God will bless our food and our water. That's a promise that I stand on a lot. That's one that I, I declare. Not the part about miscarrying and being barren. But the first part. Father God, you have blessed my food and my water. And you've taken sickness away from me. And I will fulfill the number of my days in divine health. That's my promise, and it's yours as well. The next scripture is Matthew 8. Matthew 8. Another example of worship being the first step of a miracle. Matthew 8. Verse 1 through 3. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. So the first thing this man did was worshipped Jesus. He prostrated himself. He humbled himself. He gave control to Jesus. He knew Jesus was the healer. And he worshiped him for who he was. And he received healing. It began with worship. Heaven came to earth. Heaven invaded to earth right then and there. And the next one is the next chapter over, Matthew 9. We're going to um, read a few verses, then skip a few. Because this is the scripture where two accounts are intertwined. So we're only going to read the one about um, the ruler and his daughter. While he spoke this, these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay hands on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. So the man came to Jesus and worshipped him. And asked for his help. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. So the resurrection of this little girl from the dead started out with worship. Worship the Lord. And he will take sickness away from you. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. So the last slide that we have here is just kind of a summary of what we've talked about. 
Praise until the worship comes. Worship until the glory comes. And then stand in the glory where heaven invades earth. And now I'm going to give you, at the very bottom of your page, and this is what we're going to close with, there are three little suggestions that you can take with you and do. This may be new to you. This may be completely something you've never taken time to do. But these are steps that can get you started. The first one is to keep a journal. Not anything fancy. You don't have to be a writer. The only thing you need to write are the things that you see God doing for you. Just jot them down. They don't have to be end of the story miracles. But those are great. They can be little God incidences that you're seeing. Little things that you see God doing. Write them down. Keep them in front of you. Take time to thank him and praise him for what he's already done. That's going to help you to expect the end of the the thing that you're waiting for. It's going to help you to move in that process. Number two, share your testimonies. We're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks. We're going to be talking a lot about testimonies. Share them. It's going to build you up and God's going to be glorified. That's praising God. And number three, make the choice, and it's your choice, to give God extended and focused praise. We don't do that here. I'm just going to tell you that. We do not give God extended and focused praise at illness recovery. We usually sing one or two songs. Extended and focused praise is probably going to be more than one song or two songs. Or one psalm or two psalms. You want to set aside time to praise him and worship him. And these are some ways you can do that. Choose your favorite verse from the book of Psalms to praise him with. Listen to a praise CD or Christian radio. My latest favorite is Pandora on, on the, you know, your iPhone. It works really well and gives you all kinds of good music. iTunes, YouTube. The things that we watch here are YouTube videos. They're all free. Praise him with the freedom and give him the honor that he so deserves. Give him the honor that he so deserves.